Good morning, and welcome to Sermon in the Berg, the official podcast for the Southside Mount Washington Parish community. It's great to have you here. I'm your host and director of music, Amanda Bruce. This podcast began as a way to connect with you, our parishioners, and our community near and far in light of the COVID-19 pandemic, but it's been a pipe dream at the parish office to do this for quite some time. While this is not supposed to replace the holy sacrifice of the Mass, it's a great opportunity to pray, reflect on the readings of the weekend, and feel connected to our parish wherever you are. Just so you know, before we begin, here's the format that we'll be following today. We will start with our opening announcement, just like every Sunday. Then we will offer a hymn that was scheduled to be offered on this weekend's liturgies, but clearly we cannot have due to the current outbreak. And so Tom and I encourage you to look at the readings and ask yourself how the hymn connects to it. And we'll revisit it at the end of the episode. But before all of that, first, we will ask you to pause this episode and go and read the scripture readings for this weekend. They can be found in two places, one either on usccb.org, again that's usccb.org, or on the Living the Word attachment that we have provided on Facebook and in the email on Flocknote. So again, you can read this weekend's readings on the USCCB website or use the Living the Word PDF attachment available on the Flocknote email and Facebook. Pause this recording and come back to it after you've sat and read the readings for this weekend. Welcome to St. Mary of the Mountain, Prince of Peace Parishes, as we celebrate the fourth Sunday in Lent. A special welcome is extended to those who are joining us virtually today. Please know that here on the podcast and in person, you are always welcome here. Assisting us today is myself, Amanda Bruce, as the host, Tom Conroy as musician, and Father Michael Stumpf as homilist. Yeah. 
Welcome everyone to the fourth weekend of Lent. In many ways, these are very strange times. Some ways, we might even feel like we're in a very strange place, almost another galaxy. So, three things as we journey this fourth week of our Lenten journey together. Don't panic. Don't presume to know God, except that he's with us and he understands our suffering. And stay connected even in the midst of social distancing, connected spiritually and relationally. So don't panic. One of my favorite books is actually by a British author named um, Douglas Adams, and it's called Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And he's a person who just looks at the world differently, and obviously by the title of his book. But he has a hilarious and humorous yet incredibly uh, poignant satire of an understanding of humanity and the world around him. And the name of the book, which is actually a collection of a number of books and writings, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, is actually the name of a uh, traveler's guide. It's a digital device or book that's a traveler's guide for those who are traveling to unknown places within the galaxy, the universe. And so like all travel guides, of course, it includes things like language and culture and food and things to say and not to say. Um, but what's interesting about this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is that it is infamously and sometimes terribly wrong about some of the important facts, uh, facts that even can lead to tragic situations. But the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, it said, was a vastly popular book. As a matter of fact, in the book itself, it says that its sales surpassed that of its competitor, the Encyclopedia Galactica. And despite these glaring and sometimes fatal inaccuracies, it outsold the Encyclopedia Galactica because it was slightly cheaper, but most of all, because it has the words, don't panic, in large friendly letters on the cover. Don't panic. Don't panic, because panic leads to nothing good and certainly is not from God. It's not to say that there's no reason to be concerned, because, of course, we know there is. Um, we should not, of course, ignore sound advice from public health experts and scientists. And there's no question that the current situation and catastrophe certainly could get worse. It probably will get worse before it gets better. But panic and fear are not from God. And it's possible to respond in the midst of crisis situations in a way that maintains a sense of centeredness, of calm, of hope, and even deep connection with God and one another. When we panic, it actually does something to our brains. 
There's actually a neurological term, studies that have shown when we panic, uh, it actually shuts down parts of our brain and we respond very differently to things. And those parts of our brain that panic can shut down are probably the parts that are most important right now. And sometimes those parts of our brains can be shut down and turned into panic because of hype, because of misinformation, because of perceived fears that tend to dominate, because of rumors and lies. We have to trust our God. We have to trust what's happening right now in the midst of uh, those who are in the sciences and medical professions and not fear mongers. This is a time when we need the best of ourselves and the whole of ourselves to respond. Our reason and our creativity, our love, our connections, even the arts and poetry and those things can help us in the midst of difficult times to respond with hope and with life. As the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy says, when traveling to strange places, don't panic. This is actually, believe it or not, something I've written on the back of my own mobile phone, just as a reminder. Do not presume that we know God or know better than God, except that to know that he is with us and understands our sufferings. The uh, scriptures are full of characters throughout the ages who presume, who presume, excuse me, that they know God's ways, that they know God's will. And oftentimes that is tainted by uh, brokenness of sin, by selfishness, by pride, by looking at appearances and looking at the self uh, more so than God's will itself. In today's gospel, excuse me, not the gospel readings, but in today's uh, first reading that we heard from the Hebrew scriptures from 1 Samuel, we hear the uh, uh, account of the prophet Samuel and his selection of one of the sons of Jesse and eventually the selection of David as king to be one of the uh, most revered kings uh, of all times in the history of the Jewish people. But you'll notice how it unfolds. The prophet Samuel, when he encounters Jesse and his first son, is sure that it must be the first. And it continues to unfold. And son after son, it goes on. And God actually says through the prophet, or to the prophet, says, not as man sees does God see, but because God does not see by appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. And if you think about it, it's the same in today's gospel passage that we heard proclaimed today. We heard proclaimed the gospel passage uh, that was from John's gospel, and the Pharisees, they think they know. They think they've got it figured out. They're the sons, or excuse me, the sons and daughters of Moses. They're the ones who know the, the, the Moses law, the law of Moses. Uh, you know, he, and it actually, because of that, that knowing, it blinds them. <laughs> And the man born blind is supposed to be the blind one. It blinds them to God's presence and to God's will. So if you think we've got this figured out, or you hear someone else who thinks they've got it figured out, or some religious figurehead or pundit who says this is because of God's punishment or something like that, take caution. Don't presume. Don't presume we know. 
But what we do know is we have a God that is with us, a God that is also manifest and shown and revealed in Christ Jesus, a God that suffered with us, that touched us, that prayed with us. That's what we know. Stay close, stay connected, even in the midst of social distancing. Again, we heard the long gospel passage this weekend from John's gospel, and this is one of three very long passages we're hearing proclaimed. Uh, they are long stories. Just last weekend, we heard of the woman at the well, and of course, this weekend is the man born blind and the dialogue with the Pharisees. And of course, next weekend, we'll be hearing the uh, John's passage about Lazarus, who's been dead in the tomb. Each of these narratives is set up almost like a, a play on a stage, and, and you can almost imagine each of the players, uh, of, of all of the actors in each of these three plays, who's asking themselves the question of who this Jesus really is, and who this Jesus is and what follows then, what meaning does this have for my life if that truly is a profound relationship of mine. And for the Pharisees, Jesus and his actions, and actually the man born blind and his actions as well, is actually a new or, or a nuisance. It's actually a problem, something interrupting their lives, their, their, their normal way of doing things, their understanding of their teaching of God and God's law, and this is something different. And so the Pharisees, it's a problem, it's an interruption, and they don't really see. They don't see not just the particular circumstance, not as a problem, but they don't see the persons. They don't see the person of Jesus. They don't see this man born blind as a person. They just see him as a nuance. The man born blind, on the other hand, answers the question of who Jesus is very differently. And as all the long passages of John, it's an unfolding as he experiences Jesus, as Jesus has touched him, as he has had an encounter and then tries to understand what this encounter really brings him. You see, he sees Jesus as a person as Jesus sees him as a person, a person who brings him wholeness, who brings him salvation, whereas the Pharisees don't see persons at all. We too know Jesus. We too know him personally, and he knows us personally. We see him as Savior, and we know that he's not only a relation, in relationship with us, but it's also part of our relationships with one another in the body of Christ. And so we must stay close Stay close to the Lord and stay close to one another. Now, what does that look like? How's that manifest? Staying close amidst this social distancing that we're all experiencing. Of course, we know the social distancing in many ways is necessary. It's necessary actually because we see persons. And this is about care for other persons and the common good and care for the most vulnerable among us. But social distancing does not mean and should not mean distancing from God and true distancing from one another. We can find ways to be in relationship and to be close 
in the midst of social distancing uh, and be connected spiritually and relationally. In our relationship with God, we know that because of God, we're bound to one another, bound to God in faith and bound to one another in the body of Christ. And this gives us strength. It's our relationships. It's our relationships that truly make us strong. We can stay close to God spiritually and to each other spiritually. We know right now there's all kinds of prayer resources out there. You all have prayer resources in your home probably already. Images, pictures, crucifix on the wall. You probably have a Bible in your own home. You have prayer books and rosaries. Use the spiritual resources in your own homes. Use the spiritual resources that, that are available digitally. And there are many. As a matter of fact, if you're hearing this podcast, you're actually accessing one of those. But take a look at our webpage. Uh, look at all the resources that are connected there. They're for daily prayer. They're for mass streaming. They're for uh, praying together the rosary. Uh, they're, they're reflections and prayers. Use the resources to stay spiritually close. Stay close to one another relationally in the body of Christ. And of course, this is more challenging because in many ways, some of us who are in our own homes feel alone. We feel a distance from our loved ones and, and from the interactions that we crave with others. But there's still ways to remain close. Calling. Checking on one another especially reaching out to those members who are our neighbors, our friends, our families, those in the body of Christ, the parish community that we know may need some support who are probably struggling. If you know of someone who, who, who needs something and you yourself can't respond, let us know at the parish offices. We'll do our best to connect someone with them who can or connect them to the resources that they need. Of course, there's all kinds of new ways to be connected to one another. As a matter of fact, uh, just this week, believe it or not, I was on a FaceTime call for the first time with my own parents. Um, so those who are in their 70s experiencing for the first time uh, what you know, th this, these new technologies are all about. And there's something, so, there's something so beautiful about not only just getting the chance to hear another's voice, but maybe to see their facial expressions and things as well. When you talk to someone that you love or care about, don't just end the conversation, but knowing how challenging these times are and knowing how we need to stay connected with one another in the Lord, pause for a brief prayer with them before saying goodbye. Say a prayer from the heart or use one of our traditional prayers, Hail Mary and Our Father. These times feel strange, almost like we're in a different place a different time, a different galaxy. And these times, don't panic. We need to be the best of ourselves. We need to know the hope and the peace that comes from God. Don't presume that we know and know better than God, except to know that he is with us and that he knows our sufferings. And in the midst of social distancing, stay close, stay connected spiritually, and with one another relationally. Our response for our prayers of the faithful is, Lord, hear our prayer. For the spiritually blind, especially those who struggle to maintain faith, that the light of Christ may guide their way, 
we pray. For the RCIA candidates, that they may grow in their desire for waters of new birth and allow God more fully into their hearts this Lent, we pray. That God's love for us may be a light as we face our daily challenges, we pray. For all who are ill, especially those with the coronavirus, that God will protect them and their caregivers and lead us to a cure, we pray. For all those who have died in our parish community, may they be welcomed into God's kingdom, we pray. We remember this weekend the following people at all of our parish communities. David Facciano, Elizabeth Hawk, Josephine, John, and Irene Manko, Paul McKenna, Jr., Mary Patricia Cloggerty, and Teresa Ferrado, and all the intentions present on the altar, along with those we hold in the silence of our hearts, we pray. As we end this podcast episode, we ask you, how can we heed Father Michael's advice and not panic? How can we sense God's presence in the midst of such chaos? Lord, open our eyes so we can see your face among us. Open our ears so we can hear your voice among us. Open our hearts so we can love like you do. Amen. The recording of Open My Eyes, Lord, and The King of Love, My Shepherd Is were performed by Thomas Conroy and were used with permission from OneLicense.net. The PDF of Living the Word is made possible by the generosity of GIA Publications. The words to this podcast are copyrighted by the Southside Mount Washington Parish Community, all rights reserved. That's it for the episode this week. Please forward this podcast to fellow parishioners or anyone whom you think would benefit from it. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Stay safe. And please know that we are praying for you. Yeah.